Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6AMRun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the 6AM Run Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mark Paisant. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. As always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. And raise your hand if you heard me say this before, just because the show has run in the name doesn't mean that's all we talk about. Actually, lately, we haven't really, I mean, we talk about a little bit of running, a little bit of fitness. I think a lot of people out there still use that medium to stay in shape, including myself, even though I've been going through some knee issues. So I've been doing a lot more walking than running lately, but I'm totally just went off track already. That's how my brain works. But thanks as always for being a part of the show. We have Hannah Spanky on the show. That is Hannah with two N's and an eight and two H's and two A's. I just, I'm looking at it right now. Um, wow. And S-P-A-N-K-E is how you spell her last name. If you want to look her up online, she is a relationship and life coach and so much more. Hannah, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and introduce yourself for our audience? Hello. Thank you for having me. And I so appreciate you spelling it. I feel like that's such a helpful little add-on there. <laughs> um, so yeah, my name is Hannah Spanky. I am an intuitive life coach, a clinical sexologist, um, and I definitely specialize in relationships. I started to move away from the title relationship coach a little bit this year, just because it, it doesn't feel all encompassing enough. Um, but it, it is definitely like a meat and potatoes part of, of what I do. And, and I, I, I definitely understand that, um, you know, making sure that, that people actually understand what you do and, and putting yourself out there that you do, you don't want to be pigeonhole pigeonholed into anything. However, your story is different from other coaches, other sexologists, um, and yes, just so everybody understands, sex probably will be talked about a little bit in this episode, so that's, uh, I have no problem with it, so hopefully you don't either, but um, you had an upbringing that, and I don't say upbringing, but you entered into the world of sex work. And I understand that this is probably a conversation or a uh, story that you've had to tell multiple times. So, um, you know, say as much as you want or as little as you want, but kind of walk us through that part of your life and, and, and how that experience either changed you, molded you into the person you are today. Yeah, uh, I definitely have had my fair share of, of telling this story. So I will give the kind of soundbite summary of it. Um, so for the most context, um, I grew up in a 
for the most part, throughout my childhood, single father household. My parents separated when I was about five. Mom was out of the picture until I was in about the middle of high school. At 16, I graduated high school a couple years early, and I ended up in a circumstance where I stepped into the sex industry knowingly slash unknowingly at the time. Like I knew what I was doing. I wasn't being tricked or bamboozled in any way. I knew what I was doing, but the foresight, the long game, like was not at all in my mind. I didn't know that that's the door that I was really opening. That was at 16 years old. And then I did not officially step out of that industry until I was about 22, almost 23. So I was in the industry for like seven ish, almost eight years. And I dabbled in every facet of it. So dancing, the stripping, um, escorting, seeing clients in a number of different ways, um, different types of virtual things. Yeah. So I explored that whole entire realm. And I was, for the most part, under the same impression that I think a lot of the version of feminine not femininity, uh, feminism that I don't particularly agree with now um, is under the same impression where it's like sex work is empowering. Yeah, you're a woman. If you choose to do it, go for like, go for it. That's all you. And now I see that as a radically harmful viewpoint um, because it empowers women to commoditize themselves, which I was doing for many, many years on end until I woke up to the fact that that wasn't actually true. A whole bunch of internal kind of crumbling breakdown before the breakthrough needed to happen. I had my whole entire identity wrapped up in that for the last almost decade. And then I started my healing process consciously to kind of disassemble that identity and put it back into something that was more who I actually am. That healing journey set me in the direction of wanting to help people in similar ways and realizing that because I have such an extreme like taboo story that I can kind of be easily trusted by people who are, for example, a couple having some intimacy issues or a woman who doesn't feel confident um, taking her top off in the bedroom or something like that. It's really easy for people to open up to me knowing that I went 11 out of 10, (laughs) you know, in the deep end of that kind of stuff. So it's like, there's nothing I'm going to judge you for. You couldn't say something bad enough to make me (laughs) think differently, you know? And so um, I saw a lot of, opportunity for that. And then I, it's, that's, what's been developed for the last five years now. Well, I, I appreciate you going into that, that detail, but I, I kind of want to back up a little bit because the work you do of course is relate with relationships with, with couples, but you said that you grew up in a, a single parent household. You grew mm-hmm. up with just, uh, uh, your dad in the household, correct? Yes. Um, so how, so you know, and I don't want to invalidate like the work that he did raising you, but growing up was your thought. And this is me asking from, I I don't know that, that, that type of life because I grew up with both parents, but for someone was your thought of a relationship kind of skewed? Did you see your father with women or, or him, you know, have relationships with women? What did you think was a relationship when you were growing up? Yeah, this is a fantastic question. And I have a very pointed answer. (laughs) So there's like a, there's a specific memory. Um, So for a little more context, my dad was the very typical, like what you would think of as like, 
And I say this with love and compassion, of course. I understand now that we are all doing the best we can at all times, and there's nothing nothing to do with blame in anything I'm going to say here. Um, but he is kind of the poster child for, like, emotionally unavailable, toxic masculine. <laughs> like, that kind of archetype. And um, we love him. Doesn't change anything. But... With that came some limitation for what he was able to provide for me as a little girl. You know, there were some things that he couldn't talk about, some things he could talk about, and his approach to certain things, they were what they were, you know? And so one of the, one of his best attempts, I would say, at trying to, what I can see now is like prepare me for the world of dating. Um, I think where he was coming from is like, don't trust everything men say there's, you know, maybe ulterior motives, be, be cautious, I think was the intention. But what he said, close to word for word was, and I was nine years old, remember this, like it was yesterday. <laughs> he said, women will trade sex for love. And men will fake love for sex. And so, <laughs> At nine years old, that seed was planted. And then through all the things around me, cultural shitty shows on MTV, that kind of thing. Um, and then watching him be this sort of serial monogamous, like he was always, always with somebody, but also never really wanting to claim that he was with somebody. He kind of had this serial monogamous slash player vibe going on. And so that painted the picture that like, women needed to earn being chosen in some way or another. And it also taught me that I could leverage my womanhood, whatever that might look like. Later on into high school, when I was with my mom, later in high school, she, it was a very um, low income, challenging situation. She had a drug issue for a long time. And she had participated in some things like that. I would say, hey, I need money for blah, blah, blah. She didn't have it. I'll go get it. She would leave, go see so-and-so and come back with money. I knew that wasn't just for charity. You know, it wasn't in my face, but it was in my face enough. And so that kind of felt like like the last seed planted before anything actually came out of all of that. And yeah, so long-winded answer short. Yes, it absolutely impacted the way I saw relationships and it, it painted them as more transactional than they actually are if they will ever be healthy. And and I, I'm I'm glad you kind of brought that up because that's where I want to go with this and in that word transactional. And I know a lot of people once you say it, they they throw up the crop. They no, absolutely not. Like this is not you know he, he wants to do for me what he and I want. Like there's no but. And I'll let you speak on this, but because I have learned that transactional is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, and that's all I, I kind of want you to speak on it because I don't want to take your thunder or take anything away from you or misspeak at the same time. But I kind of want to talk about like we understand, like if I say that it's like, oh, someone is paying for sex. That's what you mean by transactional. It's like, no, that that's fine. <laughs> that's one type of, of transaction. But kind of talk about how couples and you don't have to get as deep into couples but how relationships how people can use transactional actually for their benefit mm -hmm. yes so i want to give credit where credit is due i was listening to a podcast the other day with aubrey marcus and his wife Vilana marcus and they were talking and it was a conversation he said this 
So this is, these are his words, but this framework makes a lot of sense to me. Um, and he talks about the three different levels of partnership, romantic partnership with like all of them work. So that's the like disclaimer. None of them are better or worse necessarily. They all work. It's just, they're different levels. And so the first level is where I can see transactional type of relating actually really helpful and it works. And he calls those role mates where it's like, you do this on Tuesdays and I do this on Wednesdays. And it's like this very um, synergy based, um, like you agree to do this, I agree to do that. And we're teammates, but um, I don't want to say, but there's nothing bad about it. So first level is this role mates <laughs> where everybody kind of has their own respective roles and they're complimentary in the best case scenario, they're complimentary. The second level he calls soulmates. And this is where you are role mates as well, but you also have this deeper level where it's like, we want to grow together. We want to use this relationship for like our own um, personal journeys to help us accelerate, etc. And then the third level he talks about, and he calls it whole mates, where both people independently are committed to playing all the roles they need to meeting all the needs they they can meet possibly for themselves and coming together as two whole people. Not to say that if you're on any of the other levels, you're not whole. That's not the case. But where I see the role mate thing getting, becoming an issue where it becomes unfulfilling is it has to be conscious the whole time. It's like you're doing this and I'm doing this and we agreed on it. And so now we can do that happily for the rest of our lives. But when there's anything under the table that's not explicitly discussed consciously, it's like, well, I did the dishes on Tuesday and I thought that like you were going to take the trash out because I did the dishes. And then it turns into this kind of like really easy to become petty, bickering, pointing fingers because there's unspoken expectations, unspoken rules um, that can easily get kind of added to the pile of stuff you've already agreed on. That's what I'll say on that. I, 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 um, I'm, I'm triggered and I think you're talking specifically about me. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, you know? So, um, I, th I think that is, that is a great way to put it because I think a lot of people, um, find fault in simplifying relationships. Like they want it to be this like over the top, we, we, we can see into each other's souls and we know what the other one is. And I want it to feel, and it's like, at the end of the day, like this is a relationship and there is agreements, there's disagreements, there's things we have to get done. There's a family we have to raise, there's expectations we have. And it's like, I mean, there's a pragmatism to relationships that actually works sometimes. And what we see and growing up in my era, like I'm, I'm in my 40s and growing up in my era, of course, you, you know what we saw growing up. We saw and I'm not saying we because you're definitely younger than I am. But, um, you know, we the, the all the Disney movies and all the sitcoms and all the, um, you know, Rachel not getting on the plane and going back to Ross like that's we saw all that. And it's like we didn't see all the, the, the arguing and bickering afterwards where it's like, Oh, you, I just, I, I, I didn't get on a plane for you. Like, why don't you do this for me? And it's like, sometimes maybe the simple answer might be the right one for your relationship. What are you, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? 
Well, what do you mean when you say that? The last sentence you said. Well, what I mean by that is the fact that I think a lot of people are. I, I heard this once, and I think it's it's absolutely perfect. Is a lot of people really want the wedding, but don't really focus on the marriage. And it, we're talking like I'm talking specifically about marriage right. right now, but it could be for any type of really. It could be oh, I really wanted him to ask me to the prom, and I wanted to be this really big thing, and then it's like. We have nothing in common. Like we didn't even talk at the prom. It's like sometimes we don't simplify that. It's just two people trying to coexist and make each other happy. That people seem to forget sometimes. Yes. 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 Okay. I see you. Gotcha. Okay. So I love this conversation so much because, like, I am definitely a diehard, like, hopeless slash hopeful romantic. <laughs> I live with rose-colored glasses on, like it just is. <laughs> and um, so the more pragmatic approach to things has definitely been more, um, like I have had to intentionally learn and practice that side of things because I've experienced that imbalance, you know, and the the issues that seem to come out of thin air when really they're not thin air at all, they are the byproduct of not looking at both. You know, we need the romance, we need things to feel all magical and sparkly or else you're just my fucking roommate and we need we need there to be something that makes this actually work we need a framework we need a, a skeleton to the relationship because if there's not then we're just a pile of glitter and that's really really messy you know that's not something you can contain <laughs> so um something that i do with couples actually um your laugh is making me laugh <laughs> <laughs> something I, do with... <laughs> I love it i love it <laughs> oh man okay, i've never pleasure. i've never <laughs> i've never heard that i mean that is perfect that's that's literally absolutely perfect that's perfect <laughs> i've never heard that either that surprised me out of my mouth just as much as you <laughs> happens a lot <laughs> okay um so something that i'm trained in that i do with that i use with couples um sometimes is called Simbis. It was originally used, I think it still is. It's like a Christian couples counseling thing. And I became trained in it. I don't, I'm not a Christian couples counselor, but um, it's a tool I use and it stands for saving your marriage before it starts. It's um, like an analysis. You take a test and it spits out a 16 page, like colorful, beautiful report. And it's very much um, built on like the disc assessment type of algorithm or whatever, however that, whatever the word is. Um, so it's very in-depth, it's very detailed. And what it does is it spits out like essentially a compatibility report of like, where do you guys line up in every single one of these areas of your marriage that needs to be looked at. And so it's all the way from like, what is your mindset towards marriage having nothing to do with what you think about the person you're with, but like, do you find marriage something that's like resolute, like it's going to be in your life no matter what, divorce is not an option to you. Is it something that's more rational where it's like, I want to be married, but it needs to make sense. Is it more romantic? You know, so there's things there all the way down to what household chores did you grow up with? Like who took out the trash and who did the lawn in your household when you were a kid? Because that's likely what you're going to expect from your partner. And before those things become problems, they need to be talked about because you don't need to turn roommate issues into relationship issues. And that will absolutely happen right under your nose. 
when you don't shine a spotlight on all these things. So I love using that tool because it walks the couple through every single practical part of the relationship and just prompts discussion for us to talk about how is this going to work for you guys in the long term. And couples, to me, this applies whether you're married, after you're married, whatever. But statistically, couples who invest in any sort of premarital counseling like that, that helps them look at how is this actually going to work in like a two plus two equals four practical way, have a 66% less chance, lowered chance of divorce. And so you're not wrong at all when you say it needs to work, you know, capital work. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I bring that up as, as kind of, um, um, you know, pointing the, the fingers back at myself because as I've gotten older, I've literally turned into my father, which I never thought that would happen. And he is the most like practical, pragmatic CPA accountant person I know. And it's like, I was always the happy go lucky, like ultra romantic flowers every day. You know, I was that person. And then it's like, ho- holy shit. Like we have bills to pay. Like, oh, oh my God, we have a mortgage. Like we have our kids need, like it's, it's in, in, I, I learned that, okay, like this isn't just sunshine and rainbows. Like <laughs> it's actually work that we have to do. So I'm glad you answered it the way you did. However, I do want to ask you this, like, I totally understand where you're coming from in regard to that assessment. And, and I've taken the disc before for myself for like two or three companies I work for, and I've never done it for my relationship, but that is a great idea. But I would assume that needs to be updated too, because as people grow old together or have kids or even get a dog or decide where to live, if they're going to live in the city and the sub, whatever, like people start like somebody, for instance, and, I, and I'll let you kind of go on this, like somebody's probably gung-ho on, I want the type of house I grew up in. I want to live on a one acre lot and I want to, like, I want a backyard so the dog can roam. And then they get their one taste of like a high rise in the city with everything. And they're like, oh, this is amazing. This is great. Like, this is what I wanted the whole time. So their thought process, and I know that's a very, again, that's me being pragmatic. That's a very rigid example i understand that that's but like but we have to continue to like update how we see relationships and how we see our role in a relationship correct yes absolutely so i definitely see the the tool that i'm talking about that assessment as as a tool you know and that's it it's like when you need to work on your house you don't just buy a fucking hammer you know, you buy other things too. Damn it. Damn it. I <laughs> knew so I, like... I knew I forgot something. <laughs> damn it. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, I apologize. Go on. Oh, <laughs> Go <my> on. <laughs> it's all good. We're going to, we're going to get okay. through it. I'm going to cry a little bit. We're going to get through it. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, I see it as a tool and I see it as the the tool that needs to go with it in order for it to really like work like a hammer and a nail, you know, they're very complimentary and you need them both to really do what you're trying to do. I see the assessment as step one, where it's like, we're going to really look at the relationship as a whole and how you guys can make it work in every single facet of it. And I like to look at the individuals separately, but together, help them see each other objectively through whatever lens that is, it could just be me asking them questions and starting the conversations and the way that I will lead them through it. 
could be through astrology, through human design, all these different tools that I use to help people understand themselves objectively so that then when it comes time to go on a vacation and then all of a sudden your brand new bride wants to move to Mexico and doesn't want the house you guys just bought, like exactly what you just said, there's room for you guys to see each other grow and change and shift and be who you actually are independently inside of the relationship when there's that foundational understanding of like, oh, this is who this person is. Oh, there might be a chance that this could change. This could change. And there's a conscious agreement to hold space for both people to be who they are. I think what you just said is something that not most, but I think every couple needs to hear, every relationship needs to hear. Um, And that's not hyperbole. I really think it's one of those things that... um, it's like, hey, I want to, you know, be a coach for soccer. Well, you probably should know something about soccer. So it's one of those things where everyone in that position needs to have this information, or at least, at least try their best to understand it. Um, and because, you know, the work that you're doing is, is, I guess for lack of a better, better term, and I think this might be every coach, mentor, therapist, licensed, like whatever it is, is, is setting that blueprint. Is setting the, you know, we're not, I'm not holding your hand. I'm not telling you where to go. I'm not, do, like, I'm not, you know, playing the game for you. It's literally kind of setting that blueprint. And within that blueprint, there's different ways you can go. There, I mean, you kind of mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, you know, different ways to go. And with all this being said, I'd be remiss if, if like the elephant in the room, I think with every relationship again is going to be that, that sexual connection that, um, the, the connection, not, I don't want to say connection, but like the expectation, of course, everyone, like a lot of people, they start hot and heavy. Like I couldn't keep my eyes off, uh, eyes off him. I couldn't keep my hands off of her. Like we were the only people in the room and then boom, we got three kids and a gerbil and somehow we got a hedgehog and we have some <laughs> more and, and he, he works out of the house. I work in the house. We have daycare. We have, you know, school, we have neighbors, we have Thursday PTA. We ha- and I can go on and on and on. I don't know if everybody is figuring out this has a lot to do with me, but, um, you know, <laughs> then, um, then it's like, Hey, um, it's been uh, three months since we even touched each other. And it's like, oh, really? Has it been three months? I didn't. I had no idea. Well, yeah. Uh, no, I, I. It was last week. Like, no, it wasn't. And it's like, well, okay, we should do it tomorrow. Okay, we're doing it tomorrow. It's like, then a kid gets strep throat, and you're like, okay, we're not doing it tomorrow. I, I promise you next week. And then, you know, oh, my mother's coming in town, and it's like. And I really just went off for like three minutes. I apologize, everybody listening, but I'm trying to I'm trying to set this scene so you guys understand. And everybody's like, "Mark, we understand this scene. Stop setting it. Just let her speak." So then, the the first question I want to ask you, and I I want to let you just go off on a tangent, but I want you to answer this in the most specific way possible so people understand: Is sex important? to a relationship? Mm -hmm. Yes. So context here is that this is my opinion of what a romantic relationship quote unquote should be or could be. 
you know, and I'm all about like, be the eagle, not the mouse. Like I want to see bigger and higher and more expansive and like, let's keep growing and growing and growing. And so the highest level of relationship is like what I'm always rooting and cheering for with every couple I'm working with. So if there's a couple and it's like, we're just in this together and we have this agreement and like, we haven't had sex in 30 years, but we're happy. I don't particularly buy that, but okay, maybe there's some people there right. that check that and, out. And we can, and we can pref it. We can always <laughs> put that out there. Of course, there are, are, are sexual issues that people have that don't allow them to have sex or just morphia, all that stuff. But we're talking about in those relationships yeah. where everyone is healthy, everyone wants the best mm -hmm. for themselves and they want a spiritual, emotional, energetic, physical connection. Sex is important, correct? Yes, absolutely. And so to answer that as specifically as possible, when you think about wanting to be in union with another person, to me, my assumption is that everybody believe or everybody desires that in a similar way. You might have a unique, unique words you would use to describe it, a unique image in your mind, but we all want to feel wholly connected, like whole W-H-O-L-E, whole. So in order to do that, we have to connect holistically, meaning mentally we need to connect, physically we need to connect, spiritually we need to connect, sexually we need to connect. Every single one of those pieces together is what makes you a whole human. And so every single one of those pieces needs to be on the table as well to have a whole connection. That's my take on that. So, and that's a great take. I appreciate you um, having that take. So... There was all, and, and I, 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 I want to give you the ability to kind of talk about the work you do. But in those situations where you have a couple, and it might not be a couple, I and, and maybe do, do you usually get couples that come together, or do you usually get one at a time that says, "I need help"? How does that you, or is it kind of mixed? How does that usually happen? Um, honestly, it's both, and they're very different. Uh, it tells me a lot about what's going on in the relationship when they come together or when they come separately, you know, because when people are coming separately individually looking for help in their relationship, it usually speaks to a certain level of disconnect that's already going on because they're not coming as a team, you know, they're coming separately. Um, but it, either way, it's the work is still possible. Like neither, none of that makes it not doable. But um, when it comes to sex, and it being important, I think, and it being maintained in life when life is happening and there's the three kids and the hedgehog and, oh shit, I got to take the dog, this vet, and, oh, I forgot about the appointment, like all that stuff. <laughs> it comes down to, I have two answers here. One is it comes down to making your sex life as pragmatic as the rest of your life because you recognize it as important as the rest of your life. So like, you're not going to miss the PTA meeting. You're not going to miss the soccer tryouts because they're on the fucking calendar. Put that on the calendar too, <laughs> you know, and in a way that is just as safeguarded and protected and prioritized as every single other thing on the calendar, if not more, because what often happens is it becomes the easiest plate to take off the stove. You know, it's like you push it to the back burner, you push it over here. Oh, let me just put that in the fridge. I'll deal with that later. And why? Why is that? To me, that speaks to culturally and then also in our own unique households, just not truly 
valuing it at the level that we're valuing the rest of the things in our lives, you know, and that's just speaking from like an outside looking in, observing what people do. We don't do things we don't want to do, you know, (laughs) we do things that we value in some way, even if in our mind, we're like, oh, I don't want to go to the soccer tryout, but you do it anyways. It's because you value something about that. You know, you value making the kid happy, you value showing up for the parent role that you want to be in. Etc. And so how can you as a couple consciously start to value your intimacy enough that it has a spot on the calendar? Because that's a way for you to really secure it. And when that's protected, you guys will naturally start to feel more intimate towards each other because you'll feel like you have each other's backs. It's like, oh yeah, Friday night, Wednesday morning, whatever, wherever it fits in the schedule, doesn't matter. (laughs) But like wherever it fits, doesn't need to be a sexy day in time. You can start to like soften towards each other over time when it's a habit. Because then four weeks in, seven weeks in, you're like, wow, it's month two. We've had sex six times. This is amazing. Like, how come we weren't doing this for the first five years of our marriage? You know, and it starts to build a trust that you don't even have to really try to build because you know that like no matter what, our relationship is prioritized. So that's first piece. And then the other piece is just really driving home what I said before about like the objectively learning. First, it starts with an individual thing, like objectively getting to know who you actually are. Like, do you actually like watching movies or do you just watch movies because your partner likes movies? You know, like what do you actually, who are you actually? And then objectively seeing the other person for who they actually are because it's like if you can learn that your partner has so i'll just use an astrology lens it doesn't need to make sense though and like i use it as a tool that helps people understand themselves they don't need to even believe it like the astrology piece whatever so it's like if one person has a scorpio moon (laughs) they might feel more intense and deep and they want that kind of connection with their partner but they might also have a tendency to quickly put walls up and become kind of icy and distant when they aren't getting that need met. And so knowing that about themselves and having their partner know that about them can help see those patterns when they happen and be like, oh, you're doing that Scorpio thing. Let me coax you out of your, out of your icy tower. Come back down. Come back to me. What do you need? And it, it opens the door for conversation versus like maybe the partner has like an Aries moon or something, which is very opposite in energy. And so that Aries is going to be like, what's going on? I want to talk about it right now. Let's fix it. Let's do it right, 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 right now. And then the other person might retreat and it might create like um, distance when you're trying to create connection. So that's just one random example, but understanding each other in a deep, intimate way, learning every single little facet of each person allows you to see it on paper of like, oh, that's why you do this in the morning. Oh, that's why you don't like it when I do that. And it allows you to have the space to not take those differences personally. And when you're not taking the differences personally, you can actually appreciate them and you can leverage them and find the most opportunistic ways to connect with each other. So I'll be honest with you. You, you, you had me at a uh, pile of glitter. You had me at the eagle versus the <laughs> uh, rat or a mouse. Be the eagle, not you the mouse. The <laughs> last pot. Take our first part taking off the stove, but once you got to astrology, I'll be honest with you. Once you got there, eyes glazed over, just glazed over. So I'm just letting you know. No, I am. I'm, to- I'm totally kidding. But and it's amazing. It's amazing 
whoever you talk to about this stuff, and when I say this stuff, I don't mean like uh, sex or relationships or just kind of the, the human element of the relationship as a whole. It's amazing how, how much communication comes up, like amazing how much that part of it comes up. And it's like, um, and I'm sure that's one of the first questions or, or first roadblocks that people have to get over when you're, when you're working with them. It's like, okay, how often do you talk about this? What words do you use? Like, how do you respond when she says this or when he feels this way? Do you automatically just disclaim it? Do you automatically invalidate it? Or do you actually take the time to listen? And it could be about, you mentioned it earlier, like, oh, I, I did the dishes tonight. I thought you were going to do the trash. Like, was this ever, was this conversation ever had? And the same thing goes for, um, you know, sex in a relationship. And the second part of that that you, you mentioned, which I think does not get talked about enough. And I love listening to Esther Perel. And I don't know, I'm assume I, I don't know if you know her. I'm assuming you do because that's a, she's very famous, you know, psychotherapist who, you know, works in human relationships and, and sexual uh, relationships. A lot of people have this thought that sex is always supposed to be spontaneous. He's always supposed to know when I'm ready. Or why doesn't she just know? Like, but, and, and I love I, the, the episode of hers I listened to. She, she asked the woman, she's like, where did you hear that? Like, who taught you that? Like, why do you feel that way? And of course we watch the old, you know, nine and a half weeks movies where it's like so hot and steamy and like romantic and everybody is ready at the same time. And the fact of the matter is I can't tell you the last time me and my wife got in the bed at the same time. Like literally, I cannot tell you just because I might be recording a show. I might be coaching. I might be editing a show. She might be working. I might be doing laundry. She might be dealing with getting the kids to, to bed. But I really want you to talk about, because I think this is something people need to hear, is it's not always going to be that spontaneous, he knows what I want type. Like you mentioned it, like sometimes you have to understand that you want it, he wants it, go do it. Like just <laughs> go do it. So I want you to kind of talk about that. And I'm sure that's something you probably have to talk to couples about all the time. I don't want to say all the time, but it probably comes up often. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that you brought this word up because I just was talking on my Instagram story like two days ago about that exact thing and how I hear it from couples so often when it comes to like their intimacy and they, I'm like, okay, so what do you actually want? And it comes to them like starting to get clear on their desires. People will so, so, so often say, I just want there to be more like more spontaneous, more spontaneous sex, more like, and I challenge that. I don't believe it. I don't think that's what people are actually saying when they say that. I don't think that's what they actually mean. Cause maybe there's a person that is actually turned on by randomness. Let's just say that's possible, but <laughs> I don't think that's what people are actually asking for, you know? And in my last relationship, this was a thing we consciously did when we were watching movies Whenever there was a sex scene, movie, show, whatever, we would both laugh about how they are exactly the same every single time. Guy rips off the shirt, she pulls her dress up on the bar counter, like they're just immediately having sex, like straight to penetration, everyone's hot and heavy in three seconds. Like it's not accurate. It's actually really um, delusional to think that that's how it should or could go. And um, it, it, I think 
Let's see if I can get this out clearly. It feels like a scapegoat because that seed is planted so heavily in our everything we see. It's like, oh, that's hot. That's that's what passion looks like. Immediate sex. But what I think it is, is it's actually a scapegoat in our own minds for distracting us from getting clear on what it is we actually desire. Because when you say you want someone to spontaneously initiate sex, I doubt it's because the randomness is the thing that gets you going. You know, it's not because it just came out of nowhere. It's because in that moment you were made aware that they were thinking about you without you prompting it. It's like the gift that you don't even like, but you love it because it was thoughtful. So it's like, do you, you want to feel desired is what I'm hearing. You want to know that your partner is thinking about you is what I'm hearing. It's not necessarily an ask for spontaneous sex. And so when we can get beneath that, like into the roots of what is it that you actually want to feel when you picture spontaneous sex? Is it that you feel like your partner is present with you? You feel like everything else in the world is a second priority to your guys' intimacy. Like what is the experience that you're trying to have? That is where you can actually have a discussion about what can we do to make this happen? And it, it takes it way, way, way deeper and becomes a lot more effective than talking about you don't ever initiate. I want more spontaneity. <laughs> and, you, you know, listening to this and, and thank, thank you for absolutely being just so gung-ho at answering that question and perfect timing and go I'll, I have a link to her Instagram by the way if you guys want you can pause the show right now if you want to and go in the uh, go in the show notes and, and follow her on Instagram but I, I believe there's there's sometimes you know when we talk about communication we talk about um, the different expectations we talk about people being on different wavelengths and, and whatever mercury is in retrograde i don't know anything about this i'm just <laughs> saying words um but you know you'll have that one person who they appreciate sex they like sex but it's just not something that pop not a priority they don't prioritize it i have to deal with the kids i have to deal with my job I, my, my boss is, is new and he's beating me up and, and she's beating me up and I don't I mean not physically but and people understand but um, and then the other person is like well yeah I have all the same things but I, I want to make this conscious effort and the conversation has started you a lot of times it's one-sided and then there becomes that thought process of all you think about is sex like all, every conversation we have and it's not that it's every mm-hmm. conversation it's just that the other person literally doesn't bring it up that often. So how do we kind of, how do couples that you work with kind of understand? Cause again, it's, it's not somebody's right and somebody's wrong, but it's kind of learning their love language, learning the words that they like to use, learning the words that, that they can, cause we know as humans, there's words that are, are the people closest to us will say, and we will immediately turn our ears off immediately turn out yourself but then there's words that people will say well we're like okay we're invested in this conversation so how do you kind of bring this person up to understanding that this person's not always talking about it and bring this person down to be like okay there's a different way i need to go at this and i hope that yes. i hope i hope i hope you understand that question like i i went around and around yep. but I, okay yep i i hear you completely <laughs> okay 
So I have a bunch of answers to this actually. So um, that I think are going to be super, super helpful. And you can apply this immediately, like, cause this is such a common experience in relationships. So I'll just name that stereotypically this dynamic is playing out where the woman is the one that is more in a straight relationship, at least where the woman is more the one that's seeming shut down. And the man is the one that seems more eager about the topic. Okay. So I'll just set that tone so I can speak about it with examples. So from my opinion, from my perspective, why I see this play out a lot is because the person who is not prioritizing sex, um, isn't in like internally motivated to do that for a reason that needs to be uncovered. And it has absolutely nothing to do with the relationship and nothing to do with their partner. So maybe they have sexual trauma from the past, or maybe they have body shame and that has them feeling disconnected. Maybe they're so stressed out at work that their nervous system is in a state of flight all the time where their energy is just looping in their mind. And when your body is in a state of survival, sex is literally not online. And so there is so much that can be going on that leads to the symptom of a lack of interest. But I don't think that that is anything other than a symptom. And so seeing it as that is the first step, seeing it as a symptom that has to be investigated in that person more so than it, than like a symptom that can be resolved or turned around by the other person, like saying the right words, you know, really getting clear on whose responsibility is what. And I am a firm believer that everybody is responsible for their own orgasm. Everybody. Does that mean that like your partner can't, give you an orgasm? No, of course they can. You want that, right? Yes, I celebrate that. But it's because you know how to go about that in your own body first. You know what's going to turn you on. You know what's going to make you want to have sex this week. You know what's going to open you up to your partner. And if you don't know those things, there's no shame in that. But that has to be step one, is investigating how you can be turned on to life so that you are available for intimacy because when you're not available for intimacy and then it becomes something that's con- conflict where it's like, Oh, all he talks about is sex. Oh, blah, blah, blah. That's not actually what's going on. That's the complaint below the surface. It's like, I feel disconnected and I feel like he's maybe trying to take advantage of me and he doesn't see me. And it's all this emotional shit below the surface coming from the pain of being disconnected from yourself in that way. So that's the root. Like, it's like everybody needs to be sexually online internally first, because then the natural byproduct is, is physical intimacy with your partner. So that's step one. Number two is erotic blueprint is a really great place to start. You can Google it, take a free quiz, do it with your, do it with your partner. So same idea as love languages, which I I feel most people know what that is, where it's like, Oh, she really needs to hear how much I love her. Why a lot. And he really needs me to hug him a lot. You know, learning those things can be super leverageable in your relationship. Same thing for sex. And this is specifically for sex and it's called the erotic blueprint test. And it's the same concept. There's five different categories that you will each have like a dominant one in. And if those things are radically opposite, it's going to make so much sense (laughs) why you might be experiencing the conflict or the disconnections you've experienced. For example, if one person has a sexual erotic blueprint, then they're going to be turned on by straight up sex, like orgasm, nudity, a hard dick. Like that's going to make them 
them available versus if their partner is a sensual erotic blueprint, they're not going to be turned on by that. They're going to be turned on by slowness and softness and having their senses turned on. They need the bed to be clean. They need a laundry to be put away. They want it to smell not like the food they just cooked, you know? And so when people don't know that about their partner, it can feel like you're just constantly being rejected when really you might just need to be a little bit more curious about the other person's ideal experience of sex. What is the vibe that you want to have in your most ideal experience? This is a really great exercise to do with your partner. Actually, I suggest it. Come up with three words that describe the vibe that you want to have. Don't tell each other until you get clear on what those three words are and then come together and have a conversation about it. And it will illuminate so much because what if one person says sassy, rough, and fun, and the other person says slow, classical music, connection, you know, those are completely different images. Those are completely different vibes. And a lot of intimacy, even if they're completely different, can come from being curious about what your other, what your partner actually wants. That, yeah. That cur- that curiosity piece, that curiosity piece is, yes. I think, um, what kind of, um, will hold some people back because, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it, even even the the thoughts we have our our brain functions we become more rigid as we grow old and this is something that and again i talked about this on the show before um whether that be getting in shape whether that be changing your diet whether that be being a better version of yourself getting that job everything needs to be done with intent and that's not like that's not something that it's hey maybe you should do it with intent if it means if it's important to you and it means a lot like it needs to be done with some, with with intention behind it, with intent, and this is another one of those things. And and I think it's unfortunately, and you know this, it's still one of those taboo topics. Um, it's still like I know more about who my neighbors voted for versus like what their sexual, <laughs> what their sexual orientation or like I I know like I we will talk about politics. I and I hate talking about politics. Like, I know I can't just start a conversation like, hey, man, what's your sex life? Like, I can't do that. But like, it's just it's still that social norm that we do not bring that up. And literally every one of my neighbors is a is a married couple. It's same sex, you know, heterosexual, like everyone. And it's like. And, and again, I'm, I'm telling people way too much about myself, but I, I'm that type of guy where I'll be sitting in bed with my wife and I'm like, who in the neighborhood do you think is having sex right now? And she's like, why do you think that way? I was like, I don't know. I just, uh, I don't know. It was quiet. I figured I'd, I'd just say that out loud, but I really do. Th- and people are way too much about me, but I really do that. And I'm like, I, we have a friend who, who's like the female version of me. And I'll literally text her like, Hey, I'm going to ask her. My wife is like, she's not going to respond. And of course she does. She's like, yeah, I think about that all the time. It's like, of course, mm-hmm. of course you do. Cause we're the same person. But the, <laughs> the last thing, and I, I, I just went off and I apologize. Oh, no, actually, I can, can I say something uh, else sure, go on ahead. that? Yes. yes. <laughs> so first I want to validate the shit out of you here because I feel seen in what you just said. <laughs> Like I, I've asked people this multiple times, friends, boyfriends, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you ever just think about like 
what kind of sex life someone has, like the checker yes. at the grocery store or something. Yes. And they're like, yes. what the fuck? No. And I'm like, but w- why not? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, yeah. Thank it's, you. It's, Thank- it's I natural. Need, it's a natural curiosity. Hannah, I needed that validation tonight. I really did. I appreciate that. That has made, I, I have forgotten everything you've taught me about relationships other than the fact that you validated me just now. But I think, I mean, honestly, like, let's be honest for a second. Let's be honest for a second. Like, there's so many things in this world that we have to be serious about. There's so many things in this world that 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 bring us stress, that bring us strife. You know, in, in my age, we have, you know, you know, we, we started to see I just one of the people I went to high school with today. I found out that she her funeral was today. Like, I've lost my mother. My dad is getting older. I have, you know, my kids have started playing soccer and it's a lot of money. The teams are playing. Like, there's so many things that we have to be serious about and pay money and and like work hard for. And it's like, why with this? Like, why with this? Like, yeah, I I I want I literally want to know if um if my neighbors what kind of sex they're like i don't want to know but i want to think about it like i want to be like hey let's have a conversation like that should be a board game like what kind of sex are my neighbors having (laughs) we should uh i think we should do that and we should get the t-shirts printed of uh you are responsible for your own orgasm because i am just i'm just (laughs) eating up everything you're sending here um, I love that before, so much. This has been, a, this has been, <laughs> this has been an, an awesome but, conversation. Oh wait, but I do want to ask you one. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I keep like cutting you off to, for the last one to because I'm like, no, this conversation not, can't. Not end. at all. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> last thing I wanted to say about the sex piece that I see is like a, a very common thing that turns it into conflict when exactly what you said. It shouldn't be one more thing that adds stress to your life. It should be like the your outlet for play as an adult, you know, playtime should not be stressful there. That makes it not (laughs) playtime, you know? And so, um, the investment oftentimes, unfortunately, this is needing to be more on the man side, but it can be a two way street for sure is the investment, uh, in learning the pleasure anatomy of the person you're with. And so it's like, I use this example a lot. And it makes a lot of sense when I work with men. And they were like, oh my God, that's funny. And I get it. If you went to the restaurant every night, your favorite restaurant every night, and as the man, you ordered whatever the hell you wanted and you got it and it was great and you were happy, you'd probably want to go back. You'd be a satisfied customer. But if you went, you ordered what you wanted and the waitress brought you your shit and brought your wife a plate of cold fries that the person didn't finish before just because they assumed that's what she wanted why would she want to go back? She, she wouldn't, you know, and that becomes something that I see happen for a lot of couples unconsciously where she just slowly becomes less interested. He slowly feels more rejected and this divide gets bigger and it can be so simplified by both people learning deeply about what their body actually wants and needs because men and women are anatomically different. We know that. But it's like we forget that when it comes to sex, especially if you grew up on porn, like so many people unfortunately did, it trains you to see sex as a male centric thing. You know, the cum shot is the thing that you want to, that they zoom in on. It's not necessarily her arousal process, it's his. And so it has us all believing, men and women both, that that is the arousal process, but they're two completely different things. 
and both people need to know how they how they work and how they're different. I think I think there was a a just a glitch in the matrix where every man's brain just reset after you said half of that in there. <laughs> I hope so. Like, you're like, wait, ho- wait a second. Like she, she gets pleasure too. That's, oh man. Uh, no, I'm totally kidding guys. I'm, I wouldn't do that test, but that, that, that you're absolutely correct. And that's a whole different show growing up with the amount of exposure young boys and young women have nowadays. But, um, you know, the, the thing about all this is that if we were to just, and again, here I go back to simplifying it and being pragmatic, um, I really want you to just explain in your professional opinion, which I think you've done enough in this show already, but, but simpl- simply, what do men get wrong about women and what do men or what do women get wrong about men? And I know this is a very general question, and I don't like generalities, but a lot of times we find a lot of truth in generalities. Like when people assume that, you know, I can run fast and jump high, that is correct. That's absolutely correct, everybody. I want to just put that out there. Like Mark is an amazing athlete. No, I'm, I'm absolutely kidding. But, <laughs> but but a lot of truth is fine in generalities. And, and, you know, and of course, again, aging myself, we have the, 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 just the absolute idiosyncrasies of the old rom-coms when Harry met Sally, like there's always the damsel in distress. There's always a man trying to prove himself to a woman or, and she's not going for it. And then somehow, some way she gives him a chance and she finds out that it's been him all the time. And it's like, oh my God, I can't even go back and watch a lot of those shows or movies, but a lot of people can. I don't want to shit on those shows or movies, whatever. But again, what are what are some what are just things that men get wrong about women and women get wrong about men? Yeah, and I also find a lot of value in the generalized things because they're you know cliches are cliches for a reason, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason because they're universally understandable. You know, so there there's a lot of value there. So. I'll start with the men, with what women misunderstand about men collectively. And this isn't true for every single person, but it, it, it can be on some level. Women, we do not grow up understanding the challenges that men face that are different than ours, for one. And the way that men are conditioned differently than us to deal with those challenges boys don't cry buck up you need to be a man that kind of shit your whole entire life will train you to be a a bottle (laughs) bottled up everything you know and for some men that's sustainable and they just live their lives that way and it's it's something that can you know go on for a really long time and it may not negatively affect them too much but for others, it's, it's severely impacting them negatively. And the women in their life may not know anything about that because we don't know how to see it. We don't know to even look. We just know that, yeah, he just, he goes to work every day. He just does this. And it's like, he just does it. Like there's no real deep connection to the emotional world of the man you're with because he has been conditioned to be disconnected from that. And women are conditioned to see him as disconnected from that too as a byproduct. So women can 
benefit by becoming curious in your man's inner world, which will have you feeling more connected to him in the long run anyways, if he's, you know, willing to open up at some point. So that, and then in the reverse, men to women, I think there's a lot of conditioning around her body or her sexuality being like the most important thing. And that either I see negatively impacts women one or the other way is they either become like hypersexual and they will lead with it to the point where they're having sex that doesn't even feel great for them. Then they're just doing it for their husband and it turns into a chore and it's this point of disconnect or the other way where they like shut down and they become more and more and more disinterested in it themselves. And then that creates a disconnect. So as a man getting curious about the potential trauma that she has around being seen as a sexual being and how you can help her feel safe and fully expressed in that in whatever way she feels good about, you know? So like ladies wake up to the fact that your man has a heart and men wake up to the fact that (laughs) your woman's heart is connected to her pussy too. (laughs) And those two things need to be understood together or else, um, or else they will feel separate, and they're not. And so that's my that's my take. I I literally could not have asked for a better answer. Like I, I could not have asked for a better answer. I think you're a thousand percent right on on both aspects. And and again, I can't speak from the woman's point of view. I mean, as far as empathy goes, I can do my best to be an ally and and listen. But I I literally cannot be an I can't be empathetic to a woman because I'm not a woman. Um, I mean, I can, I hope that, but, but on the men, on the men side of it, you're absolutely correct where it's, it's uh, like, it's almost like the person wakes up every morning and it's like the clock start, stopped working and it's like, wait a second, that's supposed to work all the time. Like no one ever told me it, it, it needed a battery. Like, yeah, that I, I, right when you were saying that, like I, I felt it in every every atom in my body. So I appreciate that. Hannah, this has been amazing. How do people learn more about you online and how do they are able to, how are they able to follow you online? Yes. So Instagram is definitely like my home on the internet at Hannah Spanky, just my first and last name. Um, same on TikTok, Facebook, wherever, but Instagram is the hub. Um, you can also go to hannahspanky.com. My website's currently being redone. So it's a little outdated and there's not much there but you can jump on my emailing list there to stay connected that way and if you're not on social media you can always just reach out via email hannahspanky at gmail.com and i am very findable (laughs) very findable so i appreciate um everything you've done i i think i i I think you've helped so many people in this um in this show and in this space. And, and I think this is one of those conversations that we need more people to speak about because we're talking about human connection and you'll find so many podcasts about finances and you'll find about physical health and you'll find them about, you know, uh, you know, sports and athletes and top five and, and all these, all these conversations. But in the, the day, it's like, it's that, that human connection where more, more of us need to talk about. And guess what guys, you should think about if your neighbors are having sex and what kind of sex they're having. <laughs> they're probably thinking the same thing about you. So Hannah, this has been amazing. Yep. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. 
Thanks for having me. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6 a.m. Run podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.